Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. On Florida's Space Coast, we think you can have the best of both worlds. Kind of like right now. Driving, at your desk, maybe at the gym, but you're also grooving to some music. Visit us and you'll go to the beach and see a rocket launch. Or go kayaking and manatee spotting. It's all waiting for you on the only beach that doubles as a launch pad. Plan your adventure today at visitspacecoast.com. This is a Piccolo Podcast production. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to our wrap from day one from Amenabad. And what a day from from Usman Khawaja, who brought up his 14th test, 14th test century. I'll eventually speak properly in this podcast. I'm Andrew <laughs> Menzel. I'm joined by Paul Dennett. Paul, uh, good day for the Aussies. In the end, yes. Um, I had my I had my nerves part way through. I was, I was getting a bit frustrated, a bit feisty uh, when Smith and Hanscom got out. But that last partnership settled me now. Settled me down. Uh, wonderful effort from Khawaja. I think Australia at four for 255, it looks like they are on top, but I think there's a long way to go in this match. Uh, well, what a, what a great statement. Of course there is. We're only 20% of the way through. But I think that it reminds me of some of the pitches that I've seen in many times over the years in India where maybe even 400 in the first innings isn't enough. And if Australia were to get something like that, India could sweep past it and then looking a long way ahead, the third innings of the match could become the decisive innings where Australia could have not much to play for and the pitch then starting to be spinning. So I'm still a bit nervous and a bit um, a bit more pessimistic than you might have thought I'd be. Yeah, look, I'm a, I'm, I'm, I get that sentiment because that is my fear too. Um, so it's really important that Australia goes on with it tomorrow and makes this start count. Uh, for those watching on YouTube, we don't have our cameras on tonight, but no one's ever complained about not seeing our faces before. So um, <laughs> that's where our podcast is so successful. <laughs> All right, so let's go back to the beginning of the day. Um, no changes for the Aussie eleven. But for the Indians, they swapped in uh, Muhammad Shami for Siraj, who um, 
played in the last match and Yadav kept his spot. So looks like some kind of rotation. Um, what do you think of that change, Paul? Uh, yeah, I think um, a little bit of rotation. They're all they're all very decent fast bowlers. Um, so I, I I know that the Indian fast bowlers have done a lot better than the Aussies during this series, but I still can't help but feel that the real threat comes from from the spinners, albeit um, the crucial wicket of Labashain was taken um, by Shami, and he also got the wicket of um, Hanscom today. But um, yeah, I'm so focused on their spinners. But other than that, before the game was a pretty normal start to a day of um, cricket. They tossed the coin and went out. Nothing else extraordinary happened. Yeah, yeah, it was just like any other game of cricket. Reminded me of a shield <laughs> match, the sort of atmosphere. Um, <laughs> uh, well, I mean, let's go back to the beginning of play. Um, you know, you had um, Anthony Albanese, the Australian Prime Minister, and Modi, the Indian Prime Minister, um, embracing their teams as they sung the national anthem. I mean, that's just one of the craziest things I've ever seen. Can you imagine, <laughs> like, before the Boxing Day test, you had Albo out in the middle, you know, embracing Cummins or, or like, Albo embracing Smith today. It was just one of the most bizarre things I've ever seen. Yeah, it was a little bit. To be honest, I didn't actually tune in for the before play stuff because I just thought, oh, I, I, I want to watch the cricket. I don't want to watch all that other stuff. But I've seen <laughs> some of the highlights and, and read some of it. And I, as I said in our show the other day, I am uh, I am in two minds about it. On number one, I love that banner of 75 years of friendship through cricket, Australia and India with all the ex-players on there. Um, I, you know, I really liked it. I think that the Australia-India rivalry in cricket – is one of the best sporting rivalries in the world. Um, I've over the years got to know so many people from India. I've enjoyed their company. I, you know, I think that our, our two nations, it's great that we are going to sort of forge closer ties together. I'm not overly happy with necessarily all of the, the pageantry and the showmanship that went on with regards to sort of a, it was like a day of celebrating Narendra Modi as well. But um, yeah, uh, I think that, on the whole, it was um, an interesting, an interesting uh, little beginning to the to the day's play, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, I think Cummins was pretty happy not to be there for that national anthem. Otherwise, he'd be embracing Albo. Uh, so, look, just a just a very bizarre start. And you know, all this talk of breaking the world record for the biggest cricket crowd. I mean, I don't know. It seemed like there was no one there after the first hour. Yeah, I kind of expected that was partially going to happen that there was going to be a lot there right at the start and the heat bit did play a factor as well that I think um, there were probably at stages more there than they looked like because people were retreating back into the the bowels of the stadium to get away from the heat but yes uh, I haven't seen an official crowd figure I don't know if we're going to get one um, but it certainly seemed as though it was more in the order of, I don't know, at its peak, it might have been sixty or 70,000. But even that, it, it didn't seem to peak for very long. But certainly, certainly a very, very healthy crowd. But, yeah, not a world record. Yeah, well, well short of the 110,000 predicted. I mean, it just continues this tour of a lot of spin on and off the field. Um, all right, let's get into the cricket. So, you know, it was a crazy sort of first half an hour to an hour. You had the ball moving around and swinging around. You had the Indian keeper, Barrett, having an absolute shocker. And Travis Head went went at the um, Indian attack. It was a sort of sloppy first hour. Yeah. Um, as I always say, you know, people were talking about having KL Rahul in the side as the keeper. I said, no, you've got to have the specialist keeper. And he's kept okay up to now, but that, the catch that he dropped off head was pretty pretty straightforward. It did move a little bit, 
uh, but he really should have caught it. And, yeah, they, they were getting some swing but spraying it around. And Australia looked like they were going to really move on top with Head attacking. Uh, it was a bitter, bitter blow when Head played a somewhat injudicious shot against Ashwin, but I think it was there to be hit. He just didn't um, didn't time it and managed to just sort of pop it down to, to mid-on. And that was a, a pretty crucial moment in the day's play because Head was scoring so quickly and, you know, he finished up with 32 from 44. Had he stayed there um, and played a substantial innings, then... I think the scoreboard would look uh, very different. Again, I'm st- stating the obvious. It is um, it is quite late. Well, Travis Head was dropped on seven off the bowling of Yadav by Barrett. A pretty simple catch. And when, you know, Kawaja and Head ended up putting on 61 for the first wicket. So that was a crucial drop. Uh, you're right. Uh, but I, I sort of think Head lives and dies by the sword. So, uh, yeah, I, I actually thought, you know, the Indian spinners bowled really well today. I thought Ashwin, Jadeja and Patel were exceptional. If, as soon as the Australians made a mistake, they were out. And, and that's one reason I think the scoring slowed down after that first hour, because I just think they bowled well. Yes, I, I also think that I am a bit critical of the of the approach of Labashane and Smith. Um, Kawaja... Finished up with a strike rate of 41, batted the day out, 104 and I had off 251 balls. Fantastic innings. You would say, well, that's quite slow. So there's nothing wrong with batting slowly. But I think that Smith, 38 off 135, a strike rate of 28. I don't think that was his, um, I don't think he played in, I don't think he was playing the percentages, quite frankly. I think that the chances of him scoring a century, I mean, at that rate, um, he, he was going to have to face, uh, was it 280 balls in order to score 100? I, I think that he, he needed a little bit of McCullum in his ear before going out and say, back yourself and, and play with more aggression. And so I think that that's the, to me, the big disappointment of the day was the output of our two best players, 41 off 155 balls between them and both out. And both of them getting bowled by, you know, um, that's the probably about the fourth time that Labashain has been bowled in this tour by a ball that kept low. It didn't keep enormously low, but it kept a little bit low. Kawaja was noticeably coming forward to balls that otherwise he might have been going back to. And Smith was just an insipid shot. And I, I think he was suitably angry with himself when he just kind of played a, um, a lax defensive shot um, against one of the few balls in the whole day that really turned. And, and Jadeja went straight through him. At that point, I was thinking, oh, don't tell me we have um, squandered this enormous opportunity. Yeah, take your point. So Manus was bowled by Shammy for three, and that was in the first session. So Australia went to lunch, two down. And then Smith and Kawaja did bat throughout the second session. I think they scored about 75 runs in that second session. So, you know, I don't think it was diabolically slow. Um, and I guess, you know, my pushback is I actually do think it's an actual valid tactic to wear a good attack out. Look, as I said, I think the spinners bowled well. So I think keeping everybody out there all day and not getting too many wickets allowed, well, especially Cameron Green to really cash in on that last hour. So, look, I know Smith will be disappointed he didn't make a big score. He probably did go a little slow, but I think he could have caught up in that last hour. So I'm going to give him a pass mark because – you know, Cameron Green really profited from, you know, I thought India got sloppy in that last hour. Yeah, I'm not 
Um, you know, Smith ultimately did get 38, and you're right. He, he soaked up 135 balls that India had to endure. I think it was, it was in the mid-30s, the temperature. So it was definitely hot. I just think that um, had he played with a more aggressive mindset, he might still be there. I, I think uh, that by being that defensive, he actually paradoxically made himself more likely to get out. I don't think he would have got out to that ball if he had been intending to try to score more than he was. So that's that's kind of where I'm coming from. Mm. And just back on Marnus, he's had a frustrating tour. He's spent quite a bit of time out in the middle without ever really getting the reward. So, you know, I think his Indian experience, he's probably learned a lot. Yeah, no doubt. Um, I mean, very few people have had successful um, times. We're into the fourth test match, and that's just the second century of either side, Kawaja, along with um, Rohit Sharma's century from, I think it was the first test match. So it hasn't been easy for the batters. Peter Peter Hanscom came out after Smith and made a breezy 17 off 27 balls. But look, I've got a couple of cricket-loving friends who just don't think he has the technique for test cricket. And they, they sent me a message when he got out sort of, I think he was sort of playing back to a full ball and got bowled by Shammy. I like Hanscom. I think uh, the the talk around his technique is overplayed. But but what do you think? Well, um, I don't think you can say he hasn't got a technique for Test cricket, given that he averages thirty eight in Test cricket, which is more than Mike Atherton. Um, you know that that's an okay record. Um, I think that it did look strange though that he was. He was so far back, and I it almost like I don't, I don't know. Has there's been? Um, I haven't been paying attention to it enough throughout the the rest of the tour. But it looked like he'd even made a change to go further back to the quicks. That he was standing um, almost to the point where if he'd stood much further back, he would have been in danger of hitting his own wickets. Um, and he just looked like a candidate that he was going to get either bold or LBW to a Yorker, and that's what happened. So it was a bit. Um, it was a bit, it wasn't quite a Yorker, but it was, yeah, it was, it was strange. Given that Kawaja at the other end, as I said, was coming forward, really, really ostentatiously coming forward. Why Hanscom thought that camping on the back foot on that pitch that was keeping low was the right thing to do, I, I don't know. Yeah, so I, th- I think that is a, a slight chink in his armour. So he gets out and the score is 170 for four. And at this point, you know, I think the match here is really in the balance because if Green or Kawaja goes here and opens up Carey and, you know, the tail that hasn't performed well all tour, you know, maybe Australia gets 220, 230 and and then we're well behind in the game. But then Green and Kawaja put on 86 runs off 116 balls. Green is not out 49 off 64 balls with eight fours. Some terrific stroke play in that last hour. Kawaja, 104 not out of 251 balls. Uh, I mean, let's start with um, Green. That was a really good innings. I had the exact same feeling as you when he came out. It was like, the game is in the balance. And I remember as he walked out thinking, I'm really happy that it's Cameron Green coming out. I actually sent out a tweet. I wrote, time for a century from Green. Time for a century from Green. Australia in danger of squandering this opportunity. Kawaja, a magnificent exception. I was just thinking... Green is a fabulous player. I really rate him highly. He's shown plenty of potential at test level. Hasn't um, quite fulfilled on it yet. This is his opportunity to really do something special. And I was so pleased that he didn't play defensively. You know, I've seen uh, 
some of the innings that he's played at test level where he's been ridiculously defensive, especially when you see what he can do at T20 level where he's destructive beyond belief. So he he played with judicious aggression. There's a period there where he went into his shell a little bit when the spinners were, were going well against him. But then he played all those crisp shots. Um, the only thing where people will talk about that he looked a little bit awkward at times with the short ball, he, um, War one from Shami. And then the key moment was one where um, he sparred at one, uh, sort of hit the the shoulder of the bat and the three fielders all converged, couldn't get to it. Another day that would have been out court. It's the sort of thing that cricketers are so kind of, um, I don't know, it's like this um, instinctive reaction that he'll probably get a bouncer barrage for the rest of his career now because they have this kind of feeling of, oh, you show some sort of weakness against the short ball and there's this kind of um, macho masculinity that they've got to say, well, we're going to test him out forevermore. I think he'd be quite happy with that. He's six foot eight. I don't think he's got a problem against the short ball. And I think that uh, he played a few good pull shots as well. So a bit like what they did to Steve Waugh, but his whole career, they bowled too short to him because of the perceived weakness. So if they want to do that to him, then so be it. But yeah, I was a, it was a fabulous innings. It was everything I'd dreamt of and more. And um, yeah, let's. We we need plenty more out of him and Kawaja tomorrow, though. Yeah, on the short stuff, it takes a lot of effort to get it up um, around his head height. Yeah. So you're right; they might not persist with that. One thing I thought was noticeable was, you know, he, because he's got that big stride forward. Forward, he was kind of messing with the spinner's length, and he was actually starting to get to a lot of balls on the half volley, which you know you don't don't often see against Jadeja and Ashwin in particular. Um, so exceptional stuff. Uh, so. He's um, played 19 tests. He's made six half centuries. So, look, I see where you're coming from. You know, it is, it's time, you know, it'd be great if he can convert this into three figures. Because I think once he's, it could open the floodgates. There is something a little bit special or magical about him that even in this innings, a couple of those shots that he just, one of them was a, um, I think it was off Ashwin wasn't quite a half volley. Uh, he just came forward to an absolutely spanked it through extra cover for four. And I think Ashwin even thought, God, that's a pretty good shot. There's just, you know, Steve Waugh had that a bit as well, where from nowhere he'd just play a shot that you'd just think, oh, God, that was good. Philip Hughes had it as well. Um, and you look at it and think there's something, you know, the, uh, I said it before, the, the potential upside to Cameron Green as a test batsman is really, really high, and more so than anyone else I can think of around his age in Australia. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's, I'm really excited. I, 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 I enjoyed his innings immensely this after this evening. I'll probably get out first ball tomorrow. Um, anyway, so, um, let, let's, um, spend a bit of time on, on Usman Khawaja because this was just a, a very special moment. Uh, I mean, he's always been perceived as are being very weak against spin bowling. And now he's, it's, you know, it's his first century in India, his first century against India. Uh, it's his 14th test century. You know, he spoke afterwards about carrying the drinks on the last two tours. And he, he said, you know, he wanted to dig in and make them earn his wicket. And I mean, this renaissance since coming back into the side in January 2022 is quite something. And I saw they put up on the coverage that is the leading run scorer in test cricket since he's come back into the side then. And I mean, the superlatives, you could go on for hours, but um, just this is a real uh, landmark moment in his career. Yeah, and I, I think he'd actually already dispensed with the thought, the, the, the notion that he couldn't handle spin, that that innings he played in Pakistan, in the UAE a few years ago. And I know that the UAE is not as, not as spin-friendly as, 
at some place. But it was the second innings when the ball really was spinning. Uh, he really hasn't had any opportunities in India much before this. So um, I, I think that the, the exciting thing is that as he showed earlier on in the year, that he has now uh, kind of hoisted his average. It was 46.39 before this match. Uh, depending on what he ends up getting out for, uh, getting out for it, it'll end up being probably around, that, around about that 47 mark. He's right on the cusp of some very, very significant names. And he's, he's taken himself from having a handy test record to having a, a test record that is is not far away from knocking on the door of, of, of being a great test record. And it's just been a, a scintillating, um, what is it, 15 months since he came back into the into the side. So, yeah, uh, really happy for him. Um, and, you know, it was a, a valuable, valuable innings. Uh, I, I think that if Australia, had still a very big if, can get away with it, um, uh, a two-all result in this series, it will be one of the most significant achievements uh, that Australia has made in a long time. And so this innings will go down as a as an absolutely vital one, if that's to be the case. Yeah, I think that's his sixth century since coming back into the side because he made two in Sydney, two in Pakistan, one in Sydney this year, and now this one. I think that's right. Have I missed one? Um, Sorry to put you on the spot, but I mean, if that's six, you know, he had say eight when he was recalled, you know, once you get up to, you know, 14 test centuries, as you say, that's a pretty impressive CV. Yeah. um, I was just thinking to myself that if it had been my um, uh, younger self answering that question, I would have been able to know straight away because I've watched every innings he's played. um, But uh, the memory isn't isn't what it once was. So fantastic day for Australia. They're four for 255. They really need to go on with it tomorrow morning and make India um, chase, I think, at least 400. And what, what did you think of the pitch? Because I, I thought it was a good cricket wicket. It seemed to have a bit of um, spice for the quicks, a bit more bounce and pace than we've seen in the rest of the series. And, and I think Stark and Green could do a bit of damage with that new ball. What do you think? Uh, I'm still reserving judgment because I think that you've got to see how it goes throughout the whole five days. I think that um, there was a a long period of attritional cricket. But as I said, I think that to a degree that was the mindset of the Australians somewhat. So, um, you know, if it was the sort of pitch where they had tried to score and couldn't and therefore went into their shells, that'd be one thing. But I think that the fact that Head and... um, and Green were able to score reasonably quickly means that I'm, you know, I'm, I suppose what I'm trying to say is it was disappointing in some regards that for such a large crowd that we saw maybe the most attritional day of the series to date, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's a terrible pitch as let's see how we, how it unfolds throughout the rest of the match. I think it, I, I would have liked a, even a little bit more count, uh, bounce and carry. Uh, I think that's what it would have probably um, elevated it. But, um, yeah, so far the jury's out. But I think that it's the sort of day that some people profess to say, oh, I love that sort of attritional day of test cricket. But I don't mind those sorts of days, but I think that I'm still always thinking about what does the average fan like? And I think a lot of average fans would have turned off halfway through today. Yeah, there was a lot of conventional swing in that first hour. So I think if Stark gets the ball to go in those conditions, he could take a few early. Um, All right, let's jump into the YouTube comments. Um, Grease Kemp, Cameron Green's bowling may be important. I agree with that. His bounce on that pitch uh, could be a handful. 
Definitely. Very good point. Very good point. Kumar, pathetic pitch, win the toss, win the match game. Uh, I don't think so. I think India, um, as you say, we've got to judge it after the the India bats because they might make it look easy and um, we'll sort of realise maybe Australia wasn't aggressive enough. Yeah, and it it does have that sort of um, feature to it where if Australia were to get 450 and you'd sort of think, oh, well, that's it, they're they're secure. Uh, I've seen it before where India could bat and get 550 and all of a sudden Australia's coming out to bat late on day four at the start of their second innings with almost nothing to play for and suddenly the pitch is starting to turn. So, uh, yes, at the moment it's a great toss to win, but sometimes it can be turned on its head in in, in these sorts of wickets. By the way, you're right, um, six centuries since his return in Sydney. Now, Monty Francis, do you think that if Australia had played practice games and had selected head in the first game, we would have won the series, Francis writes? It's a good question, Paul. What do you think of that hypothetical? It is a good question. Um, I think that... I No, I don't... I think that if um, we'd had practice games beforehand, I think that would have helped. Um, and... I think that Head not being in the first test was probably a mistake. I think though that the, the margin of victory in the end that India had in, in those first two matches was enough such that they still would have won those. Yeah, I tend to agree. I just think we kind of stuffed up the first two test matches. Uh, Jared Roberts, Australia should have never picked three spinners on this deck. Boland would have had a field day on a day three pitch. Interesting. Yeah, I mean... Uh, He's got a good point um, in that Boland may well have been pretty effective on this. I suppose, hopefully, if Boland would have been effective, then uh, then Cameron Green will be effective as well. So uh, it's a difficult one. It is. Um, I, I like the fact that we went with three spinners. I think they've done so well all tour. And I think having, especially having won the toss, it, you know, we're in a good position. I guess it may have been different if we'd lost the toss um, and been bowling today. But, you know, we're in a good position, um, you know, bowling last on a pitch that hopefully will take more spin. So, yeah, I think I'll, I've bashed the selectors a lot this tour, but I think they did the right thing sticking with the winning eleven. My only concern with that is, again, that um, the, the the tail headed by the three spitters is, you know, not very strong with the bat. And I think that that is – that's why I look at this total and think, gosh, we're, we're looking pretty good at, at four for 250-odd. But we've got um, Carey and Stark. And then maybe it is the sort of pitch that Lyon can score a few runs. And I think Murphy might be a better batter than what he's shown so far. But I'd, I'd love to see – a little bit of more um, output from the tail than what we've got so far. So I guess, Paul, to wrap things up, would you say it was Australia's day? Yes. Um, and I, I partially that's because I have a feeling that if we'd won, the, if we'd lost the toss, that it could have been quite ugly. You know, they might have been um, away and bolted from us. So yeah, uh, I, I'm. I'm happy. I was nervous about the way that I thought potentially we were going to squander it, but that last partnership between Green and Kawaj, and yeah, I, I agree to an extent. Uh, the the work done by Smith did make that easier. I mean, it was noticeable that uh, the commentators are talking about it that Yadav was dropping off in pace towards the end uh, when they took the new ball and um, Green started spanking them around a bit. I think that some of the fatigue was um, was definitely evident there. I'll just add while I um, uh, while I've been looking at this that Kawaj's average is now forty seven point five, which if you 
minimise it to say 50 innings or more for Australians. That's the 15th best of all time. He's above Laurie, Simpson, Hassett and Dean Jones and Arthur Morris. That's This innings has pushed him above all of those four, just below Gilchrist. So he's in very, very esteemed company. Speaking of esteemed company, Steve Smith moved into the top 20 run scorers in test cricket history today and he's the only one to have an average over 59. Yeah, I, I saw that as he came out to bat that his average had dropped below 60 again, which, um, I, you know, I'm never overly happy with the world when his average is not in the 60s. I think that's where it should be. Uh, another reflection of how difficult it's been um, for batters in this series. Mark, I actually caught a little bit of the Fox coverage during the, the lunch break. And Mark Waugh and Brad Haddon were both talking about something that you'd actually mentioned. Uh, you know how you mentioned that, that um, Smith's, in one of the press conferences or maybe a couple of the press conferences had in your in your sort of mind quite um, significantly not uh, indicated that he thought he'd be playing for a long time into the future. Apparently he's talked about it again um, in one of the press conferences and Mark Waugh was even saying it wouldn't surprise him if he decided to retire much, much sooner than people think um, and hadn't sort of allowed that that would be a possibility as well. Brendan Julian thought that they were both a bit... Um, uh, away with the fairies. I hope that's not the case. Um, and I think that he'd be absolutely mad to, to want to put it away. But I mean, you know, I'm not in his shoes. I don't know what he's going through. But, you know, I'm banking on Smith being in there in the Australian side for several years to come. But it was interesting that they said the same thing as you'd said. Yeah, I'm not sure if I mentioned it in our podcast that we recorded with Jaleesa, but Smith was asked whether he thought he would go back to India and play another test series. And he sort of said it was unlikely that he'd be back in four years. He didn't rule it out completely. He said day by day, but then he said unlikely though, which is actually quite a big statement. And look, I'm just going to throw in there that I think if he was test captain, he'd be around for longer. That, that's my opinion. Um, maybe, but I, you know, I, I, I don't know. I still think he's... He, I reckon he will be there in in another another one. Hopefully, it is. Is it four years that we're going back? It was five years since the last one. Sorry, six years since the last one, wasn't it? But I think that we're we're due much more um, promptly this time around. Yes, and there'll be five test series after this one. So that is a delightful prospect. Well, Paul, thanks for joining me to wrap up day one of the fourth test and the final test of the Border Gavaskar series. Uh, we've recorded this live on YouTube and it's released on all podcast apps. So if you haven't subscribed to our YouTube channel, do it. Um, and uh, yeah, we'll be back to wrap up day two. I've been Menas and I've been joined by Paul Dennett. See you, everyone. On Florida's Space Coast, we think you can have the best of both worlds. Kind of like right now. Driving, at your desk, maybe at the gym, but you're also grooving to some music. Visit us and you'll go to the beach and see a rocket launch. Or go kayaking and manatee spotting. It's all waiting for you on the only beach that doubles as a launch pad. Plan your adventure today at visitspacecoast.com. Sports Social Podcast Network.